You are listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us in person on Saturdays at 4.30 p.m. or virtually through Zoom or Facebook on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us at www.cumcballston.org. There you can learn more about our congregation and how we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. The reading today is from Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 79, Zechariah's prophecy. John's father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Bless the Lord God of Israel, because he has come to help and has delivered his people. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in his servant David's house, just as he said through the mouths of his holy prophets long ago. He has brought salvation from our enemies and from the power of all those who hate us. He has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and remembered his holy covenant, the solemn pledge he made to our ancestor Abraham. He has granted that we would be rescued from the power of our enemies so that we could serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness in God's eyes, for as long as we live. You, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way. You will tell his people how to be saved through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's deep compassion, the dawn from heaven will break upon us to give light to those who are sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide us on the path to peace. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Thank you, Lane. Pray with me. Gracious God, cleanse my heart, my mind, and my lips as you cleanse the lips of the prophet Isaiah with a burning coal, that I may preach your good news and not mine, and that your people will hear your good news in spite of my failings. Amen. Advent, for me, has, in the church, been somewhat of a confusing time. I I get it for the sort of readings we have today, like Zacharias prophesying over his son, John the Baptist, or stories like Gabriel's Annunciation to Mary, or Joseph. But we also get scripture readings from John and from Revelation about the end times. And I found this confusing. I mean, during Advent, growing up, being an adult, Advent was preparing for Christmas Day. You know, about the Christ child and, and about mangers, stuff like that. So I was confused by why these readings of some future time. We are all alive in the now. But we rarely think or act that way. For for most of our time, for most of our waking time, we're either thinking about something that happened in the past or thinking about something that's going to happen in the future. Try it for yourself. You, you might be a member of the choir and thinking about the anthem and hitting that high note. Or you might be a parent wondering if it was the right thing to take your child to school when they weren't feeling that well. As a matter of fact, we spend very little of our time in the now and in the present. 
We spend little time actually being present to the world or to ourselves. And that's because being aware, being in the now, takes hard work. If you're not paying attention, you can slip right past the now into a future or a past. For most of us, the now is not even as real as the past or the future. But that's a shame, because life happens in the now. Prophets like Zechariah live in the now, and they sometimes die in the now. This now is a liminal space. It's a tiny space. It's the space between the past and the future. Our past of dainty, giving the welcome, and our future of a blessing or benediction. It's the place where we can live and learn. We're all in this now space. And the difference, though, between us and the prophets is that the prophets are in the now. So, are we in the now, or are we sleepwalking between a past and a present and a future? Today's scripture shows a prophet at work, a prophet who's in the now. Today's reading is Zechariah's prophecy about his son, John the Baptist, and the coming of the Christ, the light of the world. Now, a little background of where this scripture is coming from. You should know that when Zechariah speaks this prophecy, it's the first time he can talk in nine months. Now, Zechariah and his wife were very elderly, and they had no children. And you might know from Scripture that elderly couples without children, something is going to happen, a miracle. They've been praying for a child, and they've been disappointed. And Zechariah's prophecy began nine months earlier when, as a temple priest, Zechariah drew the short straw and had to go into the Holy of Holies to light the incense. Going into the Holy of Holies was dangerous work. As a matter of fact, when the high priest went into the very inner sanctum, the tradition was to tie a rope around his ankle. Because if you met God face to face and you weren't prepared, you died. So the rope was to pull him out. And they wore bells on their tunics. And the idea was you could hear the bell, you knew the person was still alive, but if you didn't hear the bell, they'd been struck dead. So Zechariah goes into this dangerous place. Here's how Luke describes what happens next. All the people who gathered to worship were praying outside during this hour of incense offering. An angel from the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw the angel, he was startled and overcome with fear. Now he had good reason to be afraid. Now, contrary to what you may have read or heard in some popular books, angels are very dangerous beings. When they show up, it almost always means trouble. It meant trouble for Adam and Eve when they got kicked out of paradise. It certainly meant trouble to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. It meant trouble to Gideon, who was tapped by an angel to go to war. Angels bring trouble. Balaam, the prophet, and his ass confronted an angel, and look what happened to them. 
Now, angels can almost always mean trouble. So Zechariah is confronted by an angel. Here's where the story picks up. And the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will give birth to your son, and you must name him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many people will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the Lord's eyes. He must not drink wine and liquor. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. He'll bring many Israelites back to the Lord their God. He'll go forth from the Lord equipped with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will turn the hearts of fathers back to their children. And he will turn the disobedient to righteous patterns of thinking. He will make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And now Zechariah gets in trouble. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure of this? My wife and I are very old. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in God's presence. I was sent to speak to you and bring this good news to you. Know this. What I have spoken will come true at the proper time, but because you didn't believe, you will remain silent, unable to speak until the day when these things have it. So, the trouble. And by the way, you might see the parallels between Zechariah being visited by Gabriel and Mary later in the Gospels being visited by Gabriel. Mary says, how can this be? She doesn't doubt it will happen. She wants to know how. But Zechariah says, how can we be sure it will happen? He doubts God's power. You see, you've got to be very careful around angels. Now, nine months later, we have a baby, and Zechariah is still struck dumb. And it's not until he writes down the name of the baby, John, that his tongue is loosened. And now comes his prophecy that we heard Lane read today. It's a prophecy that works in the present, in his present and in ours. And it shows, it does so by showing us the past and the present and the future. Let's look at it. Zechariah begins with the meeting of the past and the future by hearkening back to the early prophets and God's promise. Bless the Lord God of Israel because he's come to help and has delivered his people. He's raised up a mighty savior for us in his servant David's house, just as he said through the mouths of his holy prophets long ago. He has brought salvation from our enemies and from the power of all those who hate us. He has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and remembered his holy covenant. The solemn pledge he made to our ancestor Abram, he has granted that we would be rescued from the power of our enemies so that we could serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness in God's eyes for as long as we live. Now, let me repeat those last lines because you see there the past, promise, the present, and the future. The solemn pledge he made to our ancestor Abraham, he's granted that we would be rescued from the power of our enemies so that we could serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in God's eyes for as long as we live. Now holding his son, John, his prophecy from his now to his and the baby's future. You, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way. You will tell his people how to be saved through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's deep compassion, 
the dawn from heaven will break upon us to give light to those who are sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us on the path of peace. This particular scripture, this Zechariah's prophecy is deeply revered in the prayer life of the church. It's part of the church's liturgical practices. It's part of the morning prayer that's said in the monasteries and convents and among the clergy and laity of various denominations, including the Methodists. It's read at the dawn of the day. It's part of the lauds. It's usually recited at six in the morning. And because it mentions God's mercy and compassion, and because it's a prayer of dawn breaking in on all of us, it's a prayer of the future dawn that breaks in through Christ's second coming. That's why it's in the dawn of the morning, in that 6 a.m. hour. It's the same sort of prayer we recite in our mystery of faith when we have communion. It's a, it's a prayer of our past and our now and our future. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. In his prayer, Zechariah moves from past time through the now time into a future. He speaks of the promise of Abraham. He speaks to the now of a Roman persecution and occupation. And he speaks to a future of peace. Importantly, he also speaks to our past and our now and our future. He shows us how to live in the now. As I suggested from the start, most of us have a problem with being in the now. Instead, at any given moment, we too quickly wander into a past or into a future. The church has a way to fix that. Our church calendar is not a calendar of memories to be celebrated, however nice those memories may be. And it's not necessarily there so that the church can be decorated for a Christmas or an Easter. The church calendar and worship are designed to slam us into the present. It forces us to look into a past, into the future of our today, and our now with Jesus Christ. This is what makes Zechariah's prophecy the perfect opening for our morning prayers and the perfect beginning of our Advent. He speaks to us of our past and our now and our future through Christ. And he speaks to us individually. Listen again to his words. You, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way. You will tell his people how to be saved through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's deep mercy and compassion, the dawn from heaven will break upon us to give light to those who are sitting in darkness and the shadow of death to guide us on the path of peace. Take his words personally. We, each one of us, is the child he's speaking to now. Each one of us is the you in this prophecy. The peace he speaks of and which we grow into is not the peace of the first Christmas. It's not the peace of our often defeated attempts to recreate a past Christmas. It's the peace of a true advent that we should be living into all year long. The peace of Christ's new kingdom. It's the peace of a promised land for us and of a promised time for us. May it come in our now time. Amen.